0: Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your God. Hello everyone and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host and King of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and we are joined today by a creator who uh, some of my friends have been begging me to bring on the show for over a year now, uh, almost since the very beginning of this thing. Uh, people have been clamoring for this guest, so uh, ladies and gentlemen—and by ladies and gentlemen, I mean Josh Unruh—please uh, welcome to Roland Bones, the uh, the co-creator of Band of Blades, Strash Achimovich. There we go. How's it going, folks? Absolutely, and I have had half of a glass of whiskey, so uh, thankfully that. Didn't hamper my ability to uh, pronounce your name at least somewhat correctly. Uh, it's better. it's better than most folks, so you know, I'll take it. All right, cool, cool. Well, Strash, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Um, we're gonna kick this off the way that we kick off every single episode of uh, Rolling Bones. I've got these questions here that everyone gets asked. So, Strash, let's begin at the beginning. How did you get into RPGs?
1: Oof. Um. Actually, it's a, it's a pretty funny story. I think it, it has to do with this box right there. <laughs> uh, so when I was a kid, uh, I still remember, we, we, were, we were actually not uh, not local at the time. We were living in India at the time. And uh, my parents, they asked me what I wanted uh, for Christmas. And they, they handed me this catalog. And I picked out Hero Quest, And uh, they, they it's, it's this old little Bradley board game. Uh, and they told me that it was like expensive to ship big boxes or something. And they asked me if I wanted some other presents, I could get two of something else. But I was like, no. And, uh, they made me wait a year. <laughs> and then when they showed up the next year, I was like, hero quest. <laughs> and so they got it for me. And, uh, I ran it for, for some kids local there. And, uh, after we played all the adventures in that, I started inventing stuff. So I think, uh, a lot of my roots come from just, you know, kids playing games and coming up with stories. Hmm. Um, and then I had a, a, but my actual first role-playing game that I ever played was a, a friend of mine uh, out there. Um, his brother actually ran first edition Warhammer in French for us. Uh, so I've been, I've been playing games uh, a, a while, and it's, uh, it's it's been like a, a weird and storied road. Uh, I've, I've, I've played all sorts of stuff. I didn't come to, down the usual path. So yeah, um, yeah that's, how I, that's how I ended up in gaming.
0: Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've been playing in several different languages as well. So,
1: oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yes, you'll actually see that that's a that's a theme in a lot of our games. Uh, is, is there's a lot of semi multilingual content, or at least jokes that people who speak other languages might pick up on.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Now I take it from that that early story about having to. Uh, Come up with hero quest adventures on the fly. That uh, very early on, you you found yourself in the uh, the forever GM role. Is that accurate to say?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it, you're saying it like it's a bad thing. I think that every game needs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, both GMs and players. You can't have a game without both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just in that case, I happened to be the kid with the rules. You knew the rules. And I was kind of kind of running the game for everyone else. Uh, so I, I I would say that during my career, I've GM'd maybe 75% of all the games that I've been in. Hmm. But uh, especially lately, that's definitely not been true. Uh, I've met some wonderful GMs. I've gotten to play a lot. Uh, sorry about the sneaky plug here, but... <laughs> If you watch actual play you'll see me actually in a number of games i'm in the game with uh judd carlman on that um he, he's jamming so um so yeah I've, I've i've played in my fair share of games but i've also run a fair amount uh i don't know if forever gm is is uh accurate and even if it is i i, I don't mind too much i have fun on both sides of the table
0: mm-hmm. absolutely yeah there's nothing wrong with being the forever gm until there becomes something wrong with being the forever gm <laughs> It's it's a day by day thing. Fortunately I find myself in a position right now where I am uh just playing after a long stretch of being the GM, so it's it's a nice break. Um at some point I'm just gonna get bit by the bug again and, and insist on running a game for someone.
1: I, I think that there are so many good games with so many good tools out there right now that um I don't know, if something if something inspires you and, and gets your imagination flowing, it's a like, it's a great way to cut loose and sort of share it with your friends
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i got these stacks of games over here that i'm the only one who has so uh yeah I, I know that feeling yep if i want to play it i better run it now uh moving on from there you've mentioned that you've played several games over the years uh, all kinds of different ones if you had to pick a favorite what would that be? (laughs) Uh,
1: So I don't actually buy into this whole concept of favorites because it it has this imaginary quality, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I stopped counting how many games I played around the three digits because there's no point after a point. Yeah. Um, And I think that uh, one of the things that's awesome about sort of the era that we live in is that there are so many vastly different games and you can't really compare some games like, If you play, you know, some D&D and you play some Monster Hearts, those two are radically different games. How do you decide which one's your favorite? I think that they just fill very different niches. They fill very different needs. Um, And, I don't know, I mean, uh, (laughs) like, there are certainly games I play more often than others. And there are certainly games that in the past I've played more often than others. So I'm not sure really, like, what criteria to apply to favorite. But um, obviously, I've been doing a lot of hacks of Blades in the Dark um this is something i keep coming back to uh just because it's so fluid and it's so easy and it's so well integrated the mechanics and the fiction so um it just it, it runs very much the kind of action adventure genre that i crave um uh, but so i've been i've been running a lot of it and i've been playing a lot of it different hacks of it um mm-hmm. that's definitely probably tops in the last several years in terms of play time for me but uh doesn't mean anything i play games that i fall in love with and uh then obviously if someone else is running it i then bring it to my home table and we switch things up and so on and so forth so that answer kind of changes week to week depending yeah. on whatever i'm infatuated with and running at the time uh i don't know that i would i would say necessarily that I'm, I'm flighty so much as uh i fall in love with a lot of games and i play a lot of games so which one's favorite
0: it just depends on which week you ask me <laughs> absolutely I'm, I'm familiar with the feeling so sorry i've got a little fuzzy here
1: loves attention she's not sure why i'm not paying any more. go on
0: oh we have to we have to name the cat or or elfie will get upset with me so so what's the cat's name
1: oh this is It's a little gray uh tabby that i've had for a while
0: now let's see i am catless right now so they are both in other rooms and yes elfie loves her because elfie loves all cats So, going back to those early days, I know with, uh, you know, a game like Hero Quest, it's a little bit different than, say, a traditional uh, RPG, but if you can remember your first RPG character, or your first memorable RPG character, who was that?
1: Ratcatcher, Warhammer 1st Edition. Nice. Uh, I remember we had to roll characters and I was so excited until somebody told me that I was a rat catcher. I thought it was the worst thing ever but it turned out to be awesome. I had a small but vicious dog uh, and turns out that that dog saved the party several times so I got to be the hero and it's uh, I think it, it it definitely has influenced my desire to not always play the sort of like bombastic large the Life heroes in every game I play. I, I mm-hmm. oftentimes find some of the more um, bizarre or like less heroic templates uh, equally fun. So yeah, so that's that's definitely probably the first character that I played you know straight up RPG that I that's memorable for me.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Now we have just been joined in second chair over here by Nora so I will turn the camera here so that everyone can see the lovely Norwegian Nora trying <laughs> to get at my desk. Now, being someone who ends up running a lot of games and, you know, ends up GMing, like you said, 75% of the time, a lot of us who, uh, you know, GM a lot, there there are some NPCs that tend to uh, hop from game to game. So, uh, Strash, do you have a forever NPC or an NPC that Uh, uh, makes a lot of appearances?
1: I I don't do that. Um... I think for me, you know, and I have a I have a number of friends and I'm, I'm not judging this super hard. So like, don't don't take this the wrong way. Uh, I have a lot of friends that actually like have a concept that they make over and over and over again, or they have a type that they play. That's almost like, uh, you know, every game that you're in, you know, you're going to be the, the, the big beefy fighter or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, for me, I think I'm one of the things that's really a joy about uh, games is that for the most part, uh, I love the idea that we take a character and we put them in a story and then we tell their story and then when we're done we kind of put it aside so uh, I'm, I'm very much familiar with Sid appearing in every Final Fantasy game so I know I know the the stereotype that you're talking about here uh, but for me I don't I don't actually have a anything like that that I necessarily glom onto or, or try to try to insert in multiple games I feel like Every game's a, a chance to come up with something fresh and new. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that maybe I haven't gone to a specific trope once or twice. Like especially after running so many games, but uh, it's definitely not intentional. It's not something I, I look out for. I don't I don't have stories of you know an
0: Elminster or a Bigsby or whatever. It's just, it's just not it's not my style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Inglewood Armory in the chat here, who's uh, Josh the uh, the. Friend of mine who's been lobbying really hard for me to get you on the show. Uh, one thing that he wants to point out uh, that he loves about Band of Blades is the fact that the, the game itself has an ending, like you mentioned. Uh, the... oh,
1: that's, that's very important to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would say that I only make two kinds of games. Uh, I
1: either make games that are suitable as one-shots so that you play them and then you can stop hmm. anytime. Uh, or I make games with endings. Uh Skirm and Villainy has an ending. Uh, Band of Blades has an ending. Uh, every game that I play is going to have an ending. I think I think that that's actually very important. Um, I think that that one of the things that's unsatisfying about some like more traditional like older school RPGs, uh, you know, your uh, your vampires and your pathfinders and whatnot, uh, mm-hmm. they just kind of have this either this like kind of theoretical implied end that people just do not like. Gaming groups don't last long enough to meet like a one through thirty campaign run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those of you that 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 have played that i i do not begrudge to you, you know congratulations you have won but like most gaming groups don't survive that many years oh yeah um and then uh a lot of times it's kind of unsatisfying right because you play until stuff just sort of falls apart and it leaves you in this like weird state where you kind of want to know the ends Uh, you want to kind of see like what happens in the story you want to know uh, and among other things, I think that, like, particularly as I've gotten older, um, and it's just one of the things that's part of my life, it's easier to tell people, like, hey, it's going to be a bit, we're probably gonna have to play 12 sessions, but at the end of those 12 sessions, the story will be done. Can you sign up for that? Like, it's, it's very upfront. It tells you where it is. It's not going to drag on forever. It's not going to drag on past the point where it's fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's like a really important topic is that you know that there is an exit point. And you know that you're, you're 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 gonna have a time to like do it, digest it, and then move on to something else. And I I, I think that that's actually something that a lot of games don't talk about, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's unfortunate because if you don't teach people how to make satisfactory endings, or you don't help them, right? Like one yep. of the things that I also believe in is like GM tools, right? And and, mm-hmm. and trying to help the GM to tell a good story, or giving them as many things as you can to sort of like make things easier for them. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think that that yeah, uh, uh, this is just uh, this is just uh, an extension of that, right? Like helping them know how to pace things because they know when the end is coming or are able to estimate it, even if it's not exact. Um, I think is helpful because like it lets them set stuff up, think about like appropriate endings, you know, and, and sort of pace things out correctly. So, mm-hmm. uh, big fan of games like Dread and whatnot that have even an integrated like you can hit the button and the game at least for yourself anytime. Kind of thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always good to have kind of that that ultimate end state in mind, uh, whether you're creating your own homebrew adventure or, you know, running a game um, like, like Band of Blades that has an ending because... I mean, I was lucky enough to one time play in a game for three years and then GM a game in that same uh, kind of three-year time period where both campaigns ended up going to level 20, but I was in college at the time, so I was not going anywhere. Uh, Other people don't have that kind of time to invest in a single game or, you know, will lose focus and not necessarily want to stick with something that long. So, yeah, having something with a definite ending that you can measure out is definitely a value proposition, especially in a world like we live in now where there are just tons and tons of games out there, all kinds of possibilities, and a whole bunch of fickle people like me who see things and think, that looks awesome, I want to run that, and then after six sessions, something else looks awesome, I want to run that. Very familiar with this feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you've alluded to it a little bit uh, as we've had this discussion here, but if you had to describe your play style, both as a GM and then as a player, how would you describe that?
1: Oof. Uh. Uh, hmm. Good question. Uh, I think jamming wise, uh, I tend to be very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I talk about stuff in a very kind of TV, like from the lens of a TV show. Like a lot of times they'll say like, oh, if this were a TV show, we'd see the camera pan like this and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, things I really like doing is I like asking players very difficult questions through the lens of the game. Uh, so I'll put difficult choices in front of their characters and see what they do. Uh, that's, that, that's a fun thing. I like asking people what they care about in a way. Um, you'll see this particularly like if I'm running something like Scum and Villainy is I'll, I'll make a couple of jobs and I'll see which one sounds interesting to the players. And if they reject certain ones, I'll, I'll ask similar questions with, with different factions and whatnot and check and see like how they feel about stuff and where the line is for them and so on. Um, so that's, that's, that's pretty fun. Um uh, I'm big into making sure that my tables are comfortable. Uh, so I like, you know, player input. I like consent. I like checking in with everyone. That's a thing. That's I guess part of a GMing style. Yeah. Um. Uh, I also, sorry, there's a mosquito. No, no um. The, uh, I also um. I think I I think I I, I like things that are uh striking, bold loud uh i like getting to to the good bits i like i like big action adventure scenes that's Mm -hmm. definitely elements um i like giving people space afterwards to breathe and sort of process and talk to each other too uh that's that's actually like where i get to make popcorn and watch the the pcs talk to each other that can be fun (laughs) uh so yeah i don't know i it really depends on the game i i listen very hard to what a game is trying to tell me it wants to see and if that sounds like a really fun set of scenes and and sort of like feels and whatnot um then then that's definitely something i'm gonna be interested in so um yeah i don't know that's a a tough that's a tough question to ask it's like what is your jamming style it's like i don't know uh i like keeping pace high i like i like some action adventure that's that's usually my sweet spots um as a player um uh I'm, i'm not into this whole immersion thing super deep i i do like having some meta input now and again uh for the most part though i, I like making characters that um you know I, I, I leave some room for them to to surprise me mm-hmm. i like uh seeing what a character makes choices with and then i try to stay authentic to it and sort of see where that leads and develops uh that's fun for me uh i'm 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 definitely i've played so many games that i don't have like a set format a lot of times like when we're making a group i'll, I'll ask oh what's everyone else making and then i'll pick to fill like I, I usually pick last in our groups because I don't have a, a strong stance on stuff. Usually, like if I do, I'm like, "Hey, I don't want to be X," but other than that, I'll play anything. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I I'm I'm very flexible. I've played like I don't I don't have a I don't have a set type. I play characters that are, you know, quiet and mousy. Uh, currently, I'm playing in an Aegon game. I'm I'm playing a trickster who's a descendant of Hermes, and I'm dropping puns and one-liners and just being super jokey and kind of it's really funny because like the the last our leader was uh, a scion of aries so uh anytime you know their, their brow would get all thundery and i'd make some like quick crack and defuse the situation stuff like that so mm-hmm. uh it varies like uh on the other hand i was mentioning in the game with judd on saturdays uh i'm kind of the shit kicker of the group so i'm 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 like beefy make with with the <laughs> with the hard hitting um so, so, yeah, it, like, varies. It's it, it depends on what the party needs. It depends on what the party comp is. Uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll take a look at what might be an interesting piece to add. So, like, in that game in particular, we have, like, the claimant, we have a very um, talky kind of political, uh, very, like, reserved, like, priest advisor. So I thought that we needed kind of, like, a more straightforward kind of face your enemies and go head on type to, to add yeah. to the mix. So, yeah, I... Uh, you play enough games, you stop, you stop necessarily having a specific type. You just start trying different things. You get out of your comfort zone a little bit and then that becomes your comfort zone. So you get out of that a little bit and eventually you just end up playing all sorts of stuff. So it mm-hmm. depends on the game, depends on my mood. <laughs> it, it changes. I don't, I don't know what kind of player I am. I'm, yeah. I'm afraid you would probably have more luck asking my GMs. They would have <laughs> more input than I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now uh, this next question can be a bit of a toughie because You know, people who come on shows like this, people who make these games and and put time and effort into this hobby, we all have a lot of fond memories tied up in being at the table. So I'm going to ask you to pick between your children and, and tell me what your fondest RPG memory is.
1: Hmm. yeah the, 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 the problem is is uh is the spray's favorite like every game i play will usually have one or two gems which one i remember on any given day is uh uh varies varies very deeply okay uh so yeah i don't, I don't know i this i this, this is a, you're right this is a toughie because uh, if you have like over o- over a couple of decades of games under your belt you you have a lot of trouble trying to figure out which ones are better than others i've had had so many experiences like i, I can't i i really can't tell you you know like I, okay. I it's it's not that i'm trying to be secretive it's just that every week i play <laughs> in dead. some stellar games i i have to admit like the players that i'm playing with are just absolutely awesome and mm. so when you're playing with top-notch players like it's hard it, it's not even about children it's about just like it, it, when you when you try to reach back and you're like which one shines brightest you're just covered in this ocean of input where like you just remember a, a thousand different things all of which seems to be like the best or super fun or great like hmm. so I, I can I can tell you stories about small slice of life life archipelago games that I played you know late night at Gen Con. I can tell you about you know, big bombastic battles in our home uh, home run of uh band of blades i can tell you about um you know even even from decades ago everything from like vampire alarms to like you know dnd adventures to whatever like i've i've played so many games and i've had so many good games that it's 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 just impossible to try and pick out the best or favorite <laughs> so <Gotcha>.
0: sorry <laughs> all good it's all good um yeah it, it's 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 great that you mentioned you know playing with such great players. I I mean I've had that experience uh, with with my Wednesday group. I'll, I'll say that even even with Josh here in the chat, you know you you guys are fantastic, and I love playing with you every week. Um, it it really is great to to have those games where you're with all of those you know fantastic people. Everyone seems to have a, a place, and every everyone has this thing that they do super well and the stories almost blur together in, in that they're all so great and so fun. So yeah, that's that is a good problem to have if indeed you can even call it a problem.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that's a problem, but I definitely yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, speaking of problems, unfortunately we've got to, uh, to sink the airship a little bit because... No. While we do play the game with all kinds of people, some some of these people end up being our best friends, and, you know, we create fond memories with them. Some people we just don't click with, and then there's a certain subset of people that we end up sharing the table with who kind of ruin the whole experience. So, Strash, if you have a that-guy story that you are comfortable sharing on the show... Please go for it.
1: Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, From my friend group, I'm kind of the, I guess you'll call me the adventure someone. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm definitely the person that, uh, I, I go to more conventions than most of my friends. I'm willing to run for absolute strangers. I've had some good, I, I've had many good experiences. Actually, a, a lot of the, the people that I game with now are people that I've met at cons. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this tendency to stitch communities together. Uh, But I was actually super fortunate uh, that early in my gaming career, uh, somebody actually sat down and we had a conversation about agency and also about like, it's like table culture and and understanding that some things are table problems. Uh, So I don't actually have a ton of those stories because if, if I'm not jamming with someone, if someone's like throwing a wrench in the works and the game isn't working, I'll either talk to them or I'll just boot them or not game with them um that's just a decision i made a long time ago and there have been spells in my life where i've done very little gaming fortunately now we have like the internet and Roll 20 and everything is like set up and easy Mm -hmm. but as recently as like 10 years ago Roll 20 wasn't around and that was just not an option so like if you were in a town and you know you weren't jamming with a group and it was the only game in town you only had two options Mm -hmm. one of which was don't play yep and what i realized was that um having everybody be kind of like be comfortable and happy at a table is more important to me than uh than just having a game no matter how good it is or how bad it is, or no matter how bad it is I guess is 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 the question of right now mm-hmm. uh so yeah I mean I've I've had <laughs> I still remember the the the, the last time I, I I GMed uh the last time I GMed a, a D;D game was was I just had a guy who was like an absolute rules lawyer and i was just like look you're you're winning the fight why why, why is this important hmm. um and and the thing is that sometimes yeah you'll you'll run into those kinds of people but that's not um that's that's the thing that's handled out of game and and like i said i i learned early on that that's that's sort of where that belongs is you, you just discuss stuff with people like outside of game and um yeah i've been really fortunate like uh, i self-select i i tend to make games out of people that i already know i'm gonna kind of be jamming with uh, so, like, a lot of times they'll then bring their friends. They'll just be like, "Hey, starts going to play a game with us and and I'll jump into that game. So I have this, like, incredibly broad network of very high-quality players that I'm friends with that, you know, it, it makes it pretty easy to not have... Like, the the last person I say that I was regularly gaming with that I didn't have a ton of fun with was 2005, 2006. So it's been a while. Uh, it's just... I, d- I don't have too many horror stories i mean most of them are in the era of like high school when i you know we didn't really understand how to have that kind of discussion Mm -hmm. and we fell under a lot of those gamer fallacies where it's like well if we can't if we don't we're if we aren't compatible as gamers then we can't be friends or like friendship equals gaming if you don't invite someone then you hate them and none of that's really true sometimes people are just really terrible to have at a table but they're fine otherwise and and vice versa so like um actually less less vice versa but that specifically I've, I've had some friends that i'm friends with who just either aren't gamers or like when they game like we don't we don't jam particularly well mm-hmm. um i've had some people that just like like chaos and saying random stuff and like don't really pay any attention to the narrative or coherency of the story and so um sometimes like that just doesn't work for me because like yeah. i do like having characters and interactions and like a good story and so like that's it's about just like picking a table that has similar goals and agendas and like moving forward. So yeah, uh, I I guess this turned into, uh, it turned, this turned a little preachy. I'm i I'm, I'm a cut it there, but, uh, All good. I don't, I don't really have that guy like terrible that guy stories. Um, largely because the last time I had that guy stories, I was like 14 or 16. And, and yeah. so like, yeah, it's just one of those things like eventually you you just outgrow it. Or or if you don't, maybe that's something to look um, into. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I fall. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no problem. Now, so far, I've asked uh, several questions that have been difficult to answer. And un- unfortunately, I have to say this one. Has been one of the most difficult questions for people to answer on the show. Um, And I'll tell you, Strash, the answer to this question can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. So if you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? (laughs) Uh, I think
1: Harper made my talk shit, (laughs) roll crits quote. Uh, So I I, I actually am fortunate because I actually have the t-shirt with my quote on it. Um, uh, I guess this goes back to your question about like, what kind of gamer are you? It's like, well, talk big, then roll the dice and see if they back you up. And if they don't, that's, that's why we play games with dice Yep. so um yeah yeah i think that's that's as close as i get to that we're also fortunate that um actually on, on <laughs> john uh who's my my design partner not harper but the buff little um does silk screening so actually we've we've made a bunch of shirts uh based on games and ideas that we've had uh i picked up layout when we started working on our first book and and so i've i've actually made some t-shirt Legos and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more fortunate than most. I think I, I <laughs> have ended up with some t-shirts that are printed with this kind of thing. So, yep. Um, so,
0: yep. Yeah. So it's, it's you and Skeeter green that have your quotes on t-shirts that are available to the public.
1: I guess we're just lucky. <laughs> so.
0: Absolutely. Although Skeeter's, Skeeter's got kind of out of hand, um, Oh, that goddamn Zach meme is is great amongst the Frog God people. Have you ever been to a gaming convention, like a smaller one, and seen people wearing t-shirts that say goddammit Zach? No. Okay. Gotcha. So it hasn't grown that much. Basically what happened, there? there's a, the, I think he's the uh, COO of Frog God Games, Zach Glazer. Uh, oh. He okay. and a bunch of the designers at Frog God were in a group, a group chat, and Skeeter Green, who uh, has worked with FrogGon, done some stuff on his own, uh, he he basically just kept everything that would happen, he just kept going, God damn it, Zach. And then he put it on a t-shirt and uh, started selling it. And then people who, you know, like, had friends named Zach would get it and give it to their friend Zach. And so it, I see. it was one of those things that just kind of got out of hand and eventually... Zach was walking around seeing people wearing the shirt who he didn't even know them. He had no idea who they were. and He's like, why are you wearing the shirt that was intended as a joke on me?
1: Uh, I, I think, actually, I have a funny story in this similar vein. <laughs> uh, I still remember this was like when I, I hadn't quite yet gotten into indie games as much and I, I saw a bunch of people wandering around Arjuns that had a t-shirt that said, Ask Me About God and i was like oh no they're gonna try and you know sell me on some satanic panic nonsense and i i, I was like i'm not sure about this so like i was avoiding them and then uh, a friend of mine convinced me to, to to go to games on demand and i noticed a bunch of people wearing these shirts and one of them was someone that i knew from elsewhere and i knew you know he was cool so i walked up to him i'm like man i gotta ask you why why do you have that shirt and he's like it's ask me about games on demand i'm like that's not how anybody is gonna read it (laughs) so um so yeah that's uh that's that's a that's a similar you know sort of like why do you have that shirt story so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yep now games on demand if you guys want to maybe potentially get in hot water over uh copyrights, but, but have another great reference shirt like that, you could make one that says, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Games on Demand.
1: I don't actually know that reference.
0: Uh, it's a song from the 90s by Dishwalla, uh, Counting Blue Cars. The chorus oh, goes, okay. Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God. I see, yep. I see, I see.
1: Yeah, it's probably probably not that litigious if you, if you
0: expand it. So. Yeah, I don't even know yeah. if that bands together anymore, so... Any, any Dishwalla fans or members of the band, uh, feel free to get in touch with me and, and set me straight if <laughs> I'm wrong there. So we are through the introductory questions. So let's dig into some of the stuff that you've done here. Uh, of sure. course, we have to talk about, you know, the two, the two big ones, Scum and Villainy and uh, Band of Blades. So if you had to give uh, just like a... Quick elevator pitch for both games to someone who's never heard of them, never heard of Forged in the Dark, uh, how would you do that? What would that be? Um, I, I mean the the back
1: cover pitches are pretty solid. Uh Skip and Villain is pretty pretty easy. It's Space Adventures pew pew, right? Um mm-hmm. it's uh, it's got strong roots in things like Cowboy Bebop, uh Firefly, um just an old nineties anime cartoon uh called outlaw star yes that's that's kind of big um it's a um it's a it's a it's it's a game about space opera it's a game about larger than life characters living in kind of like an edge sector of space and trying to make ends meet you're kind of a semi-criminal crew in space and and you're going to get involved with factions more powerful than you get in trouble make some enemies make friends and uh you know see sort of where where the winds take you and how you can affect the galaxy. It's, it's that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Band of Blades, a uh, very different game. It's uh it's a military uh, dark fantasy. Uh, by military, I mean, you're playing the remnants of a company after a, a failed war. Um, it's dark because it has a lot of horror elements to it. It's got undead and, and dark magic and terrible things that are arrayed against you. Um, and it's the, and obviously it's fancy because i said the word magic uh but it's very low magic it's, it's very much like people sort of like in the mud with grit and like dealing with stuff not having a lot of magic on their own side um hmm. and so yeah that's uh they're very very different games uh but um yeah
0: gotcha that, that's the pitch awesome and and to get uh, just kind of on the subject of Band of Blades, it's it's interesting that you mention horror uh, being a you know kind of a big part of Band of Blades because they're really honestly even if you take away the monsters and you know the dark stuff and the magic that even you and your your soldiers don't have in a game of Band of Blades, the ultimate horror concept is this idea of being outnumbered and surrounded on all sides and you know, honestly, there, there's very few things in life more horrifying than that feeling of isolation. So uh, that's, it's definitely interesting that you bring up the, the horror concept there. Uh, it, it,
1: there's this thing that... that uh, so I have to blame my, my design partner for some of this. Uh, my, uh, my design partner really likes asking a lot of questions before we start designing a game. Uh, he'll he'll really really kind of dig into stuff, and one of the things in particular that we had discussions about uh, before we worked on Band of Blades is sort of there's a thousand fantasy games out there. What makes this one different? Like what what are you pulling on? Why why is it important? What do we need to put in? What's kind of like the beating heart of this? And mm-hmm. one of the things that I talked about is the fact that there's actually a fair amount of military games out there, but very few of them tell the kind of stories that you know I sort of grew up hearing from my family and sort of like integrated into the, the my memories and, and sort of what I studied um, and a lot of this comes from like World War One, World War II um, and it's 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 particularly in Europe um, and and this makes a very different uh, this makes for a very different story right like mm-hmm. one of the things that you don't one of the things that people keep asking me and I keep telling them that's not this game is they're like all right so this seems very grim and dark how do we make it like heroic how do we be the heroes how do we like go up against the cinder king and I'm like, that's not this game. You clearly don't understand where mm-hmm. this is coming from. So, let me suggest some other games. There are plenty of games out there that'll help you tell that kind of story, but that's that's not this one. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I think it's uh, it's just. And for for me, uh, I think that war has a lot of horror, but I think that uh it helps to be like one step removed i think that a lot of people of course get like historical panic Uh, i know i do i i hate playing games that are set in an actual period of history that particularly if you're playing with someone that knows a ton about that period of history it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's one of my nightmare scenarios (laughs) um so so yeah this in particular like the fantasy element changes everything um it means that decisions that you make aren't already like locked in historical facts um, and it, it helps kind of like take a step back. Uh, I, we're pretty straight up in the text. Uh, we talk about how the enemy generals each have themes. Uh, many of these themes are horror themes, but many of these are also like historical themes, like, you know, authoritarianism and fascism and things like that. And so, um, uh, so yeah, like you, you get to decide what you want to put in your game. You definitely need to talk with your table before you put it in the game. And I think that, um, Actually while I was writing it, one of the things that I discovered was uh I was I was actually talking to, to John about this is the fact that uh I grew up with uh a lot of uh you know European fairy tales in my in my childhood memory. And so uh a lot of my fantasy ends up being darker, uh just because mm-hmm. that's kind of like the kind of stories that were integrated into sort of like my core fantasy milieu, my my tone, my whatever you wanna call it. And so, um, so that's something that that when I put it in the game, I was like, oh, actually, I kind of see where some of this is coming from because, like, if you read a lot of like the the grim ter- fairy tales and stuff like that, a lot of them end up being not very happy or funny or you know lighthearted. And so, um, yeah, it's it's just something that that consequently I I kind of brought to the game. And so, yeah, that's that's where a lot of the horror elements come
0: from. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, do do you know Luca Reish at all? Not off the top of my head. No. Uh, Wizard Thief Fighter. Uh, that's that's what he is on on Twitter, and that's his website, his company. Um, I'd have
1: to Google it. I don't know it off the top of my head. Sorry. He
0: so uh, the reason I bring him up he he's uh, Slovenian, um, and and a lot of that same approach I see a lot in his uh, his work as well. Just the the kind of European folklore aspect kind of making things a shade darker and and how that informs uh games i i definitely um, i see that a lot in in the games that that you've put out and uh it it seems like you and and luca could have some interesting conversations around how that huh. informs your uh, your writing style
1: i'll definitely have to look them up um yeah that's you'll you'll see that a lot and in, in sort of like regional stuff over there um
0: I don't know how much you follow like RPGs that are from overseas. Uh only a little bit. I'm only really familiar with the stuff that comes out of the UK and then like uh free league stuff from Sweden.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there's actually a lot of interesting RPGs that are starting to happen all over the place. I, I have I'm fortunate that I have some friends that that hook me up with stuff, whether it's like, you know, Sort of uh, the other direction. I've, I've seen stuff that's popping up in Japan and whatnot, uh, which is very different. And then there's actually some stuff that's there's a lot of stuff that's happening in Europe that we're actually seeing some stuff transfer over. I think like the Dark Eye now has like uh, an English uh, translation, um, stuff like that. So like yeah, uh, I think I think I think you'll find that if you if you kind of dabble your fingers into a bunch of that stuff, you can see it in video games. Um, a Mm -hmm. lot of studios from over there will have some, some of those tones and themes and and certain stuff there, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not uncommon. I I think it it, it comes from, you know, historical context is sort of the stories you're fed as a kid. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. And a lot of that, uh, a lot of that's actually getting some cool, you know, mainstream. uh, Visibility because of, you know, the popularity of the Witcher series and, uh, you know, games like kingdom come deliverance and, and stuff like that, that, Crosses over and and has even just kind of left behind the the Eastern European roots that it comes from and and really kind of taken hold in the minds of people in the U.S. and and beyond that.
1: I you didn't sure? know what
0: a lesion was until uh, Witcher Three, and now I'm obsessed with them.
1: All right, uh, <laughs> are you talking about a leshy? like like yes. a like a forest spirit, like a a forest? Critter. yes yeah okay made oftentimes portrayed as having like yeah tree parts or plant parts yeah okay yes okay nice
0: yeah in, in the short time that i've been aware of the uh, the leche i have uh thrown it against two different rpg groups oh i see i see yep. this is this is this is kind of like a
1: a mo- like <laughs> east european folklore makes meets the monstrous manual kind of yep. kind of
0: scenario mm-hmm. okay yeah sure absolutely and then uh, one thing that that Josh brings up in chat here, uh, since we mentioned the game uh, Band of Blades has a definite ending, uh, there's also a definite lose state uh, within the game. So so why don't you oh, yeah. talk a little bit about that and, and how it's very possible that when you set out on a game of Band of Blades, you ultimately may not be successful.
1: So I think that... Um... I, I guess I'm not gonna I'm not gonna point fingers here. I'm just gonna talk broadly and general. How's that? Um, mm-hmm. I think that that uh, in particular, I so I, I have a statistics degree among other things, and so mm-hmm. for me, uh, numbers are like I can I can oftentimes like look at dice pools and like resources and stuff like that. Kind of make like I'm I'm very good at like Euro board games. Like they feel like math homework frequently to me, but mm-hmm. uh, th- this doesn't mean that I can't process them pretty efficiently. Uh, but um, I think that there's a lot of games that lie to you um and they will tell you that you will that you're in danger when you're really not um there's plenty of games that actually only work off of like a limited set of resources disappearing from your pool as opposed to actually threatening you know the characters and i think that it's very hard to tell stories about heroism if you're never in any real danger Mm -hmm. um and i don't think that there's anything wrong uh, with telling a different kind of fantasy i think that if you want to have characters that are gonna win and you want to play big damn heroes as it were uh mm-hmm. that's okay there's nothing wrong with that there, there are plenty of stories like that on television where we know that people aren't really in danger because they're not really going to die because um you know they're the heroes right like they're, they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna make it we, we know that because we know that you know it's a big name hero with a contract and this is a classic hollywood action movie and that's that's how it's going to end mm-hmm. uh but i think that in particular in role playing this this is again just one of those questions it's like what what have i not seen in games what makes this game different and that was one of the things that i wanted to make sure was in there now i will say that it's not like a coin flip it's not 50/50 like player decisions will good player decisions will definitely push the percentage higher than uh, than that by fair, by fairmong Jin but yeah you can still lose like in particular if you get unlucky you can lose um, some of the best stories I've heard of Band of are campaigns that fail um, and and one of the most epic ones I just recently read the, the group reached out to us and, and told us the story. it's um, they failed right before sky dagger key. they just they made a, a bad bet they rolled crit their time clocks filled up and they were done. it was just it was real bad luck and they lost literally one step from winning. And um, they sat around and they talked a little bit and what they decided was, yeah, you know, they're gonna honor the fiction. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna let that happen. And uh, they made character sheets for each of the commanders and they played one last session where they saw how the last of the Legion died and like all of them died by the end of it, but they, they made a heroic last stand. And I was like, you folks really get this game, yes. <laughs> all right kudos mm-hmm. thank you so much I'm, I'm glad that it did a thing for you mm-hmm. um but yeah it's um i think that you have to like it's it's just part of that story it's like if you if you want to play a game where you know you're heroic and you know that at the end of the day you're gonna you're gonna pull the day this is not the game for you mm-hmm. uh, play something else and that's okay yeah um and i don't think that every game should be like that i think that scum and villainy is much 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 higher on the like player survivability and kindness angle because space opera is a story of big damn heroes you can still lose in space opera but you should feel confident that your gm's not going to let you down that if you get captured and the mission fails it's okay because the next episode is going to be an exciting escape from prison and you're gonna somehow make it out and then you know make it right or whatever uh whereas in 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 band of Blades, that's not true you you can and you will lose uh it is absolutely possible so um and i think that that's important i think it's important to know the odds and to sort of like stare the possibility of loss in the face and 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 try to wrench victory out of that because that's kind of like what what cool heroic stories are are told about and it's um I don't know, it's 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 a different it's a different sort of game and I think that it needed that. And I, I, I definitely respect the games where you can actually have like a failure state as opposed to a failure state that kind of doesn't change the status quo like you miss, nothing happens, right? Like that's that's not my jam. I, I think that anytime you pick up the dice, you should put something on the line and there could be bad outcomes and, and that's okay, because if, if rolls don't matter, then why are you rolling? And so, um, this kind of game I gravitate towards, this is the kind of game I tend
0: to design. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even, uh, like taking a step back, even from the, the creative side of things, which is definitely, um, definitely like a, a major driving force behind this. Even if you just look at the RPG market purely from a market standpoint, to make another uh, fantasy game, even a lower fantasy game, where you have heroic characters, is just one more of those. Whereas on the other side, uh, you know what you're looking at with uh, a game where you're you're not heroic and there's a good possibility that you're going to die. There's a much lower number of those, so being able to make noise in that direction and draw attention to that kind of storytelling and, and to encourage people to, you know, kind of change their, their mindsets when it comes to gaming is is really kind of a brilliant thing, uh, even uh, coming at it from the creative side and kind of backing into that particular factor of, of making an RPG like this.
1: Uh, I have to admit,
0: um, I'm actually really bad at kind of,
1: understanding marketing slash trying to design i I don't i don't design games sort of like for um i don't think i i do think about the audience in the sense that i make a game for a specific type of person yeah and i think i specifically make games for me i play game so one of the things that i tell anybody who's thinking about getting into game design is don't try to be an artist don't 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 like necessarily try to make a game that's uh, not fun to play because yeah. if you want to make a game that's worth like playing, you're probably going to have to play test it. And if you're going to play test it, chances are you're going to have to run it. So you should make a game that a you like to run and b that you like to run a hundred times because you're going to be play testing it a lot. And if you go to a con, people are going to want you to run your game and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I make games that I like running. I like I make games that I like seeing people play in, and I like I make games that are fun for me. Uh, and I happen to be fortunate that some of those games are also popular with other people because yep. uh i tried making games for the sake of like where, where i tried to anticipate what a generic gamer might want or like think about markets and stuff and what ended up happening is it turned into a job and i kind of hated it and i stopped wanting to make games entirely so then hmm. i threw that in the garbage can and i just stuck with what i know which is like make a game that's fun and if you happen to make choices that people don't like, it's okay because not every game is for everyone and there's mm-hmm. hundreds of games out there. So just pick whatever you like. Yeah. And I'm not going to judge you if you don't like my game, there's a, there's a very famous, there's a comic book author I really like uh, who, who kind of slammed one of my games. <laughs> and, and I was just like, it's cool. You don't have to play it. still like like comics, you know, uh, because I think at the end of the day, what's, what's really awesome about gaming right now is the fact that there's a game for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so um yeah, I I, I I wish I could tell you that it's a it's a sneaky marketing decision and how we were super clever and all this mm-hmm. stuff, but no, it's just, I really wanted to make this game, and then my, my co-author was like, okay, what's exciting about this game? And he helped me kind of, like, pick out the pieces and kind of narrow it down and make it really focused and sharp, but for the most part it's just, I listen to a lot of metal music, <laughs> so, you know, you can see, like, oh, okay, there's some elements of that in this one, and there's, you know, other elements of different things in this one, and it's uh it's just whatever i'm kind of there's a lot of games that i start making because my group at home says hey uh we kind of want to play something like this can you make something like that and i'll just Hmm. slap a game together and we'll have a game in like a week or two um and so this one though was was uh was a little bit of a passion project it's something that i i thought about a little bit before but yeah we we kind of sharpened it and kind of figured it out and got the details right and so went from there but it's definitely not because it's what the market wants. I can, I can promise you that it's not the kind of thing that I, I worry about. Uh, It's the kind of thing that my publisher might worry about, (laughs) but I just make whatever it is that I, me and my groups want to play. So, Hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. and, And honestly, that's, that's the way to do it because the best RPGs is a business where your passion very much shows in the work that you're doing. And if you are, Let's uh, just to use an example. I I love the the movement uh, of of OSR, so I'm not crapping on anyone here. But if you uh, if you just kind of you know do an OSR game because you realize that, that is uh, you know selling popular, <laughs> yeah atheist thank you for following. If, But yeah, if you put something out, like if you put out a 5th a edition rule set or something like that, just because that's what people are buying, not necessarily because it's something you yourself want to do, it's going to show through in the text. Yeah. So so it, it really is a matter of, you know, finding what you're passionate about and putting that out there, even if the audience is, you know, 20, 30, 30, 15 people who you know are just really into this idea at least someone you know liked it and and saw your passion in it i think that that's important if you're
1: not i think that there's also a difference in approach right like when i say indie games what i actually mean is like i i guess we're gonna i'm gonna define it as like creator owned yeah uh so like even though uh, Evil Hat publishes some of these games. Uh, all of the like IP and the writing is done by me and John. Yep. Um, so I think that the the difference between writing for someone else and writing for yourself is that if you're a company like Hasbro, then market penetration and marketing is very important to you, mm-hmm. and you hire people that can write to the strengths of that. Um, for whatever definition of that is for you, I know a lot of people disagree on what's good, what's bad there. But at the end of the day, it's not uh, it's not the individual writing that gets to make a lot of these decisions. Um, and I know that in particular, one of the reasons why I'm attracted to indie games is because I can write the things that I want to write. And I think that it generally means that as much as all of us really wish that some of these wonderful indie games had a bit more visibility and a bit more, like, you know, wider appeal or can reach a broader audience, um, I think that ultimately you have to decide why you're making games and to me it's exactly like what you said it's to make sure that the 15 to 20 other people that are very like-minded uh very much like it although i will say that we've been incredibly lucky um for reasons that i'm not entirely clear on band of blades kind of exploded and Mm -hmm. um it's been doing really well for us but more importantly i'm seeing groups that i never would have imagined uh playing it there's um There's a big kind of streamer group from Spain that's playing it right now. So (laughs) my incredibly rusty Spanish has been talking back and forth. And one of the things we discovered is that memes are a very efficient form of communication. (laughs) So I'll ask them like how their mission went and they'll post the meme like in return. And I'll just, I'll absolutely howl. Like Mm -hmm. my favorite is uh, they had a mission where one of their units uh, went out to, to do something. And in return, they angered Blighter but they didn't understand that that's what they did. They were just like executing a completely unrelated mission in their minds. And so somebody posted the like two, two ladies yelling and the cat sitting in front of the salad <laughs> and just like put the little like squad logos and stuff on top of it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I absolutely understand exactly what happened on that mission. So, yep. um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing actually to see um Especially because, like, uh, Band of Blaze actually just finished funding in Korea, so we're gonna be getting a Korean copy shipped to us. Sweet, Uh, but it's interesting because um, the different cultural approaches also means that people run slightly different games and kind of like really absorb it and sort of uh, run it in very specific ways. And seeing how like different groups of people have been playing it has actually like really been kind of gratifying because. I can tell that it that it, it definitely... The people that love it really love it. Like, they go all out. Um, there's a Polish group that actually just got to Skydagger, um, and they've been posting... Apparently, they have, like, a couple of professional-grade artists on their team, and mm. so uh, they've decided that in order to convince the GM not to murder all of their characters, <laughs> they're just going to do awesome art of all of them and make mm-hmm. the GM fall in love with them so that it's, yep. like, really hard for the GM to kill them. Mm. Um, stuff like that. It's just... Uh, it's... It's amazing like as as a as a an author as as somebody who's making these games i never imagined how many or who is going to be interested in this stuff i just kind of start working on it and then i have to have faith that if i believe in it enough other people will also happen to like the things that i like and so seeing absolutely like these groups and like their faces and pictures at their tables and like the giant maps that they print out like there's there's like people that make little flags and stuff and put it on the map and (laughs) burn section the map as like you know the cinder king's armies advance and stuff it's wild like it's stuff that i could never have imagined and it is the single most like gratifying thing right like you 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 suffer a lot making a book and at the end of the you're like was this worth it and the moment you see some of those photos you're like oh absolutely Mm -hmm. there it is that that's that's all that i wanted is somebody gets this the way that i get it it's like making a painting and not being sure if people are going to feel the things that you feel and and you know like it's it's like that it's like seeing these groups playing this is just it really warms my heart it it means a lot it means a lot and the photos the photos shared are are kind of amazing
0: yeah and and you just know with a game like this there's someone out there who's got their uh, their Grognard army set up on their map and they're using one of those like uh like unit mover stick things that you see in <laughs> World War 2 movies to move their yeah. units around. Uh and and Josh just brought this up in chat uh the, the way that this game came out of my radar is uh, long before I started gaming with uh, with Josh and that group, they were running a, I believe it was a Pathfinder game that uh, basically ended up with, with them in command of an army, and Josh noticed a lot of parallels between what you have set up in Band of Blades and what ended up happening with uh, his world, and so he's getting ready to run... Um, like he says in chat here, a a homebrewed reskin with the the characters from that old Pathfinder campaign in the position of the commanders uh, dealing with you know what's going on in in Band of blades, uh, again, with just everything kind of switched around to to fit the lore that they're in. And so there's a lot of cool potential for for stuff like that if if you find. That your campaigns uh, take kind of a military uh, bent to them, and you find yourself in dire straits. I feel like this is definitely something that you can use uh, to to change it up, uh, even even just using the mechanics and the the scenario, and uh, changing the names of the units and stuff like that. I, I feel like that gives this game a lot of good utility.
1: I think uh, I think you'll see that, that actually we we kept some of the stuff like really simple. So like mm-hmm. a lot of the undead generals and their units are basically just fictional there we we don't have stat blocks and stuff like that so swapping some stuff out um i think is probably easy but more importantly uh one of the things that we really wanted was for people to be able to kind of put their take on it um like it's there's certain things that are factual about those units but there's a lot of stuff that comes from sort of like interpretation and like kind of how the gm sees it uh, so i think that that lends itself pretty well to some of the stuff that you're talking about there i know um the guy that did our website uh randy oast um he's running a a book series i haven't read so i'm i anyone that's a fan please forgive me i haven't it, it's not that i hate it it's just that i've recently gotten introduced to it and i have piles of books to, to go to work through so um i think it's called black powder mage series or like black powder mage fantasy or something like that mm-hmm. um and I, he was really into those books and then he discovered that like it's a really good fit uh so i know that he he wrote kind of like a reskin that utilizes a lot of that world and whatnot mm-hmm. um so yeah i've I've heard of a couple of people doing stuff like that and I'm, I'm, it's interesting uh it's hard to have common ground to talk about because like obviously if if you're playing in a completely different world and i only know the core band of blaze rules we don't have okay. a lot in common to chat about but it's uh Yeah, it is a couple of times I've seen people do some stuff that I'm just like, interesting. Um, Okay, like, cool, you're making that work for your your game, which, you know, two thumbs up, do the thing. So,
0: yeah. Gotcha. Now, this game and then, you know, Scum and Villainy as well, they they both kind of come out of... um, Another game that we've talked a lot about on the show, I've reviewed it, I had uh, I had John on a while back, that is of course Blades in the Dark, and you've mentioned, uh, you know, coming back to different Blades in the Dark hacks, um, do you have kind of a, a wish list of things you want to see come out of this kind of forged in the dark imprint, or of different genres of games that could spin out of um, what, what John has there with, with Blades in the Dark?
1: Uh so I've actually written kind of like blog posts and stuff about this. Uh I think that the power of Blades in the Dark is sort of this this wedding between uh fiction and mechanics uh which I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Um but most of the hacks that I've seen uh actually cleave very close to core Blades in the Dark. Some of them are just reskins with like, you know, just a tiny sprinkling of something. Uh some some try to go a little bit further afield and and um I think this is a this is sort of like the early post-apocalypse world era where one of the things that I try to do with my designs is sort of showcase some of the steps that you can take to like move away from from uh, blades in the dark. I think that uh, there's a lot of people actually that, that tell me that they're like, oh, scum and villain is just a reskin. I'm like, no, it's not. But uh, one of the things that I came to realize is that a lot of our bigger changes are kind of cloaked. Like we we use a lot of the same formatting. Uh, so it, a lot of it looks very close to Core Blades in the Dark, and and it is closer than Band of Blades. Like Band of Blades, just like outright kicks, uh, you know, certain things apart, and just very plainly like makes completely different sheets and sets up the GM, gives them a playbook just like everybody else, and, and distributes GMing tasks amongst the table, and there's all sorts of like fun fun stuff there. I think. Um, as for what I what I want to see, that's, that's a really tough question. Uh, I think it goes back to I, I think what I want to see is stuff that I don't know that I want to see uh, because what I get a lot of joy from is just like reading something and being like, oh I, ne- I never would have thought about about that That's that a really cool idea for a hack. I'd, I'd love to play that. Mm-hmm. And so like sometimes you see stuff that you're kind of like, oh yeah, that's that's probably yeah, I can see how you could do that and and sometimes those are great hacks too. Uh, so like there's no slams, but uh, it's tough to have a wish list because my wish list is stuff that I couldn't think of myself. Mm -hmm. um which is kind of a cop out but it's true um i love i love playing stuff that and i've seen some stuff that's like super wild there's a there's a hack right now that's on kickstarter i think where you're fighting immortal vampires and instead of playbooks you have like these masks that you fuse with your face that give you powers or something like i don't know it's 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 yeah there's people are doing some really really cool stuff um so yeah, it's. Um, I I think that as long as you maintain that core, as long as you keep that integration between fiction mechanics and, the, and don't stray too far from that, I think that there's a a lot of stuff you can do. Hmm. I think that um, in particular, Blizz the Dark is really strong for uh, action driven, kind of cinematic, like very vibrant on screen, you know, characters that that have the the resistance mechanic allows you to to push the fiction and see what bad things could happen and then snap it right out of the jaws of the feet um mm-hmm. i don't think that it's great for a lot of like introspective internal stuff maybe um mm-hmm. it's definitely more of a tv show vibe rather than like a you know philosophical narrative vibe but uh yeah there's a lot of cool stuff happening and the thing that I'm most excited about is seeing the generation after the first generation of games, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, I feel like we're right at the end of the first generation of games where a lot of them are just using it, seeing that it's able to be done. A number of them are being kickstarted. We're seeing some books come out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm lucky because I, I got to be involved with the beta process very closely. Uh, so I was playing Blades in the Dark years before everybody else you know, got a copy via the Kickstarter and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it shouldn't be a terrible shock uh, that even though we're very busy beavers, uh, John and I, uh, managed to put out some, some books a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to see what folks are doing. I think that, like I said, we're we're in the middle of that first wave where we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, clones and hacks and people experimenting with different stuff. But I expect that the second generation, the next iteration of this is going to push limits and break rules in ways that I couldn't anticipate. I'm going to see, uh, you know, what, 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 like, we, we've seen this with, you know, things like Apocalypse Roll, right? Where, like, mm-hmm. the first couple of generations are very, very similar to the core. And then it starts going more and more further afield. And in particular, as people, like, add new mechanics and solve certain problems, like, other people reuse those pieces to make new stuff and then add their own. And so mm-hmm. just, like, the progressive growth of design, the progressive sort of, like, expansion out there is is really what I'm excited for, is seeing all of the cool ideas that, you know, people are throwing out there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah it's 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 actually a super super exciting time i don't know i don't know if it's a, a big movement yet i don't know if it's uh there's a lot of people that that tell me that it hasn't quite taken off as much as some other things but i don't know i see a lot of activity on the forums I see a lot of activity in discords so i'm seeing a lot of games getting kickstarted. so like i don't know we'll see what this ends up like sure pbta has like is it five ten years on 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 blades but uh, the this, this stuff is cooking and, and there's some really bright designers that are taking cracks at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always just time and familiarity, right? Like if you play a game, sometimes it'll just be like a galaxy brain and then you'll, you'll just, uh, you know, immediately want to make something of your own. And sometimes it takes a while, like just until you internalize the mechanics and play through some stuff and then, your home team wants to play something weird and you just glue it together and then you start adding systems that match that idea. And then all of a sudden you realize, Oh, well, I have a little bit of a game. Maybe I'll publish this. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Josh mentions pirates, which seems like a, a, a pretty good, uh, I'd be hard pressed to imagine someone not already trying to jump on that, uh, and, and make some kind of fortune, in the dark pirates game at this point. Uh, seems pretty tailor-made for that uh, personally I can see cyberpunk actually being pretty cool for this
1: i think most um, people most people well, I've seen a couple of of takes but I think most people are waiting for null vector which is harper's cyberpunk take uh, hmm. it was one of the stretch goals um, I know it's in the pipeline somewhere just harper's a very 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 busy person yes. Uh plus the apocalypse is happening which you know uh, kind of kills the productivity of a lot of people. Uh, so no blame there at anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I know it's it's been tough on my end as well. Uh, John and I were putting out like one plus small games a year uh, and now it's, it's it's a little bit tougher to do that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm working kind of on a big game right now myself, so we'll see mm-hmm. maybe maybe next year, maybe next year there'll be a, another fortune our game that gets kicked out there.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: so yeah but um I think a I think a lot of people are are waiting to see kind of what happens with null vector, but I know that there have been other kind of cyberpunkish games that I've had hot takes done uh in that style, different hot takes, like everything from hello world to like uh, written email uh but it's uh yeah, it's yeah, I think cyberpunk is is pretty well suited I'm, I'm, Maybe with uh, 2077 coming out in November, we'll see both the people that are trying to make old cyberpunk games anew and people who are angry at old takes on cyberpunk, having new cyberpunk takes anew. So uh, uh, I'm excited to see what kind of happens when there's that big sort of, I don't know, I guess when the terms of the zeitgeist again, I'm, I'm not sure what to call it, so... I'm, I'm. expecting we'll see a, a bunch of cyberpunk hacks probably next year. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely. So. And then uh, two two that seem kind of obvious to me, but I, I I don't know if anyone would actually have put the time into making these. Uh, a Wild West version, a Forge in the Dark Wild West game, I'd be down for, just because I love There's Western stuff. And then um and this one someone's probably done. Has to have been because it's so close to the original idea, but like 1930s Prohibition Gangsters also seems like a, a layup for this.
1: Uh, I'm checking. If you're looking for for a, a weird West game, uh, I think A Fistful of Darkness is out there, and there's a couple of other ones. Well, I mean, I'm a huge uh,
0: Deadlands fan, so I, I uh, if I want my Western fix, I will force someone into playing Deadlands, and you. You mentioned not liking playing super historical games with people who know the history. You would hate Deadlands games.
1: It's a little different, though. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Deadlands has 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 some other troubles, uh, mostly from the era in which it was written, and some hot takes on cultural stuff from from that particular time period. But
0: uh, it has been updated, though, and and a lot of that stuff has yeah they. Uh, the Kickstarter for uh, the, I have the Adventures Edition ended back oh. in May. Uh, the PDF for the new updated version is up now, and basically within okay. the, the meta of Deadlands, uh, the Civil War ended in 1871, so a lot of that stuff is uh, gone by the time of 1886 when you're actually playing the game. Maybe I'll check it out. Uh,
1: I, I, I played a lot of the... I played a lot of Deadlands. Oh, it was a long time ago. Uh, actually, I wouldn't say a lot. I played some Deadlands, and there was a card game that was associated with Deadlands. Yep. Um, so I'm unfamiliar, I'm, I'm but uh, I, I never really got into the... I think there... Was there a D20 version? Back me up on this. Yeah, there was
0: a D20 version. Yeah,
1: I, I, I kind of avoided that one. And I also... I do have a copy of the... There was an in-between one using the... Uh, my brain uh, these days. I haven't played a lot of this, but it uses um, it's the other uh, I'll, 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 I forget but there there was a there was another version using a, a different game engine uh, that happened in between and i I, I know I backed that one, but hmm. I haven't seen it uh I haven't seen this latest one, so maybe i'll maybe I'll have to check that out um, yeah uh but there are there are actually a couple of weird west or wild west uh pvTA takes that I've seen. I haven't, I don't know if I've seen specifically Prohibition Era, but I know that uh, there's a couple of like moonshiners, kind of rum runners, sort of like uh, Mm. stuff that's out there. Um, Copperhead County is the one that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Mm. Yeah. yeah, You know, there's, there's a lot of times when people are like, you know what would be great? And I'm like, ah, there's already like three of those. And it's like, (laughs) check out these, see if any of them fit your palette. And if not, you probably had them pretty closely, like directly across Mm. uh, without too much effort um so so yeah i i don't know that i've seen exactly gangsters i know that there was a italian mafia um dueling mafia stretch goal that actually some italians were gonna write um that was on the on the actual blades kickstarter i don't remember if there is like an early draft of that album or not gotcha um so yeah there's actually a shocking amount of blades hacks it's Mm. just their biggest problem i think is just that a lot of people haven't heard it but i think that because i'm so involved with the community i'm kind of keeping track of that yeah. Uh, so, like, I happen to, like, I'm like, oh, do, do you want a, a weird West Blades hack? Check out a of Darkness. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, where, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ideas that have, that have already been processed. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, actually, I'm, I'm curious to see what, it, you know, if, if you were to make a hack, uh, what that, what that would look like. Uh, mm-hmm. so.
0: Now, has uh, anyone done, like, a G.I. Joe type, uh, kind of, like, 80s, little... 80s cartoon that's... military type I think uh, it's a little
1: too. I think it's a little too bright for 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 Blades. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blades of the Dark, actually. So actually, I noticed somebody in in chat said this. I'm sorry, Twitch chat. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually creeping you here. Uh, somebody said like uh, depowered by the apocalypse. Actually, I want to I want to set the record straight. Blades is a PBTA game. Uh, it's not just Harper being esoteric and putting the logo on uh, thereby accomplishing all the legal ramifications that Vincent Baker has asked for, it actually is a PPTA game. Like, if you look at the the core mechanics, there are actually moves. Um, mm-hmm. And if you think about it, that's that's kind of a big part. It just doesn't have a lot of the familiar trappings, like, um, you know, specifically, like, uh, core moves aside from the, the core mechanic one, the action roll. Uh, but um, I think that, that Blades in particular, among other things, you can fail a roll, right? Like, you yep. can roll a one, two, three, that's straight up fail. And that's not a thing that's going to happen in a GI Joe cartoon. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like
0: in in, and I guess more what I'm thinking would be uh, along the lines of like the GI Joe comic book, where it's a little bit more, uh, you know, the stakes are a little bit higher. People actually can die, and and bad stuff like that happens. Not necessarily something like the the Saturday morning cartoon where the plane explodes and you see the parachute.
1: I think that if you. If you want to look at that kind of genre, I think that, that you'll probably have slightly better luck with Fate mm-hmm. uh, because it's specifically designed to emulate that. And in particular, I think they actually did Shadow of the Century, which is uh, specifically 1980s themed and brings all of those tropes and stuff in. So uh, that might be fun to check out. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm not 100% sure if, if how, how could a fit Blaze is going to be there because... A lot of that stuff has to have things that don't happen uh, in order for us to keep the like verisimilitude of, of mm. the backstory of oh yeah you know these guys, g- the good guys always win and they save the day and mm-hmm. we have commercial breaks and kids with little planes and stuff so uh, yeah yeah it gets a little tricky I'm not sure I'm not sure how good a fit it is Blade, blades you can lose in blades and that's
0: that's a yeah. uh, that's a tough sell for some some genres mm-hmm. absolutely and I could see i could see someone taking kind of a darker spin on on gi joe and i'm i'm even right now trying to think of like the the core concept of how to uh like how to get a gi joe type concept into the the blades formula and make it where those stakes are high where you can lose where you ultimately uh you know cobra will win if you screw up uh and and the consequences are, are more dire than just, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to lose right before we go to commercial or something like that. Um, so one it, of the core it would...
1: questions, one of the core questions that mm-hmm. blades asks of, uh, a giving character and player is what are you willing, uh, to pay in yeah. order to do something right? Because like between resistance roles and other stuff, uh, characters can be narratively quite potent, but, you're risking things like trauma and uh Mm -hmm. a lot of times you can when you pick up the dice what you're really saying is like what is what is the the bad thing that you're willing to happen in order for you to do this and i think that that's in the bright color in the four color universe of saturday morning cartoons i think that's Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily something that we see as a question asked very often Right? Uh, yeah that that might be a question that's asked on something like gargoyles but Mm -hmm. those those dark saturday morning cartoons are kind of rare so Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah
0: absolutely cool so uh we are kind of running up against uh you know what's usually the end of our time uh so what i like to do in this time is kind of turn things over to the guest uh you know for anything you've got to promote and i know strash you do uh you know, actual plays and some streaming stuff in addition to your game. So, uh, whatever you've got coming up, anything you want to plug, um, go ahead. It is uh, it is your time. Uh, I am I am
1: probably bad at this whole marketing thing. Uh, so yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter at strash a. That's a that's a place where I talk about games and game design mostly. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see like random nerdy stuff leak out. I talk about TV shows and so on and so forth. I am, after all, not just a gamer. Um, I also stream on twitch.tv slash actual play. As a matter of fact, right now we're in a uh, Forge in the Dark game. Uh, We're playing um, Rebel Crown. It's a game where um, you're basically playing like a a claimant to a noble house that's trying to fight, like, ferment a rebellion slash fight a war to, like, seat themselves on a throne, and one person plays the climate, the rest of the players are playing like a, a sporting cast. It's got like a little bit of a, um, I think it's fraught if you say a phrase like it's got a Game of Thrones vibe. Um, I, I don't think that's actually true. But, but maybe <laughs> maybe sort of like in concept uh, <laughs> as opposed to it's in execution. Um, so yeah, I, I, we're, we're playing that. It's pretty fun. Um, uh, Jud Carman's running. I've got like a couple of great players that are with me, uh, Lauren and Luke, both stellar players. Uh, I think actually, Lawrence in chat. Um, and uh, yeah, so so if you're interested in something like that, check us out. We play different games. Like I, I, I to stream Saturday nights, but also stream various little shows on on um, on on actual play. So yeah, that's uh that's that. I guess the only thing that I'm gonna say is uh, I'm working on a new game. So if you follow me on Twitter, you may hear me occasionally we'll talk about it. Um, it's called Spell and Blade. It's a fantasy, force and dark hack, kind of high fantasy, like much more uh much more action adventure slash you know um i guess high fantasy stories is, is pretty much exactly <laughs> the pitch so uh so yeah that's uh that might be some if you're interested in something like that follow me and you know hopefully we'll get some news and
0: we'll see where that goes gotcha and uh just to shout out one of the uh the you know members of the audience who's consistently on uh on stream here and, and uh you know interacting and and participating in the conversation, uh, out of De loop in chat, uh, is streaming her art, uh, basically the entire month of October. Uh, she's been streaming multiple times per week. So, uh, if anyone wants to see some cool drawings and, and interact with her as, you know, she's going through some of these inktober challenges that people have been doing, uh, out of De loop, as you can see in chat, uh, she is, uh, ...doing all kinds of content. The other night she uh, she drew Fantasy Costco, which we had a uh, long discussion about. Uh, because I don't really like going to the real Costco, so Fantasy Costco seems like a whole nother level of nightmare... Uh, ...depending on what you could run into there. Uh, but yeah, that is on her channel, so everyone check that out. Um, just to update everyone on what's going on this week... Uh, this Saturday morning on Danishes and Dragons, uh, I'm getting back to some character building. Uh, we're still gonna be in 5e this week as I am building a battle bard and explaining, you know, what kind of melee bards are out there for anyone who, uh, you know, is interested in playing a bard but still wants to swing a sword or an axe around. And then, uh, next Monday we are actually doing a makeup from, uh... What was last week, um, because Greg from Nord Games, uh, kind of messed up the times there, um, we've worked it out, and he will be on next week to discuss their Ultimate Bestiary Kickstarter, which is quickly coming to a close, so if you want a whole bunch of orcs, goblins, and hobgoblins, uh, you'll want to tune in and hear all about what Nord Games has going on on their Kickstarter, Until then, guys, though, whether you rolled a one or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time.